Welcome to the program, and it is a Flames game day from Raleigh. We've got the Flames and Hurricanes early start, so 5 o'clock face-off from the East today. So we've got that for you. Lots on that as the hour gets underway. Game 6 of the World Series tonight in Houston, but it's also NFL trade deadline day. The deadline hits at the top of the hour, and that's how we're kicking off the program today. Let's check in with our NFL insider, Jason Lackenfora. NFL insider Jason Lacanfora brought to you by Shank Sports Grill. Monday night, it's the Cowboys and Giants. Enter to win a trip to see Seattle versus LA. Shank South in the newly renovated Shanks Crowfoot, your home for the NFL. Jason Lacanfora joining us on one of the busiest days of the year from CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. So first of all, Mr. Lacanfora, thank you for giving us some time. How are, uh, how are things? What's the lay of the land less than an hour from deadline day? Uh, I mean, I'll talk no action. Um, we've seen a, a much more uh, fertile and robust first half of the season when it comes to in-season trades. Um, and really, you can go back to sort of clowny and, and when that was done. Um, so there's been way more action and, and way more significant trades than I feel like we've had probably ever but the ultimate payoff here hasn't hasn't uh, we haven't seen it yet for, for as much groundwork has been been laid. Now, it only takes you know a thirty second conversation to to consummate something, and teams that are trying to squeeze for every last bit of value realize that after four p.m. Eastern time there is no more squeezing to be done until you know February at the combine with with some of these assets and other ones will be gone entirely as free agents. So we'll see. I would be stunned. If we don't see a few trades here in the next, well, 55 minutes, um, but uh, I am I am surprised that we haven't seen anything. I mean, that Akeem Talib thing isn't even a trade. I mean, that's just straight up salary dump. I mean, that's that's a, a but basically buying a fifth round pick for you know four and a half million dollars. Um, so we'll see, buddy. I, I expect there to be some moves, but I, I got to say I'm surprised that we're sitting here. Uh, with with no action today to this point. What are if if you were to be ranking or doing a power rankings of deals or teams that you're watching? What are you looking for right now? I mean, the Trent Williams situation. Could the Redskins be so so ludicrous as to actually let this drag out past the deadline? Um, you know, they 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 undermine their own ability by waiting so long and by by telling people no for so long. Um, to actually have this player, you know, still in a holdout situation come Sunday, it just seems nuts to me. But they're a different breed, so who knows? Um, th- there's a lot of corners out there. Um, some are salary dumps like a, you know, like a Trumaine Johnson or a Josh Norman, and then some have more value like a Chris Harris and, uh, and Des Trufant. Now, i I, I got to think at least one or two of those guys eventually get moved because – the Chiefs, the Eagles, there's a lot of teams that want to make uh, you know, a move for their secondary. Um, and then you have wide receivers, Robbie Anderson, or you know, and the A.J. Green one. I mean, really what's happening here is the Redskins and the Bengals should have been two of the most active teams. And they've botched things to this point, and they haven't engaged properly, and they've turned a lot of people off. And then the Redskins tried to turn the spigot on today, and the Bengals still aren't, don't really have – their spigot turned all the way on. And I think that's kind of constrained some things, but eventually you have to move on from those teams entirely. If you don't think they're being real reasonable or even engaging and, and grab what's left out there. So I, I, again, I expect 
there to be at least a few moves. Following back on Trent Williams, Jay, if he does stay with the Redskins past today's deadline, do you expect him to show up and play this season? Or, or how does this thing end if he ends up remaining in Washington past 2 o'clock today? Well, you know, I mean, he, if he sits out the entire season, the contract pulls. Um, so he would be, you know, traded with, with two years, essentially, left on his deal instead of one. Um so it may behoove him to come in at some point. Uh, but then, you know, look what Jalen Ramsey did, right? I mean, he milked a month out of a back, and then as soon as he got to L.A., he was magically all right. Um, you know, I think with all that Trent Williams has been through, um, maybe you report for, you know, when you have to, which I think his cutoff point would probably be late November. Otherwise, you know, he'd be out for the year whether he wanted to be or not. You know, maybe he, he comes in. He says, "My, I still have a pre-existing condition from you know everything I've been dealing with last year, and, and that thing gets ugly in that regard." But, but I mean, the fact that we're even talking about that is nuts. I mean, he's thirty plus years old. He's been injured. You, you beat the Dolphins barely, and the Dolphins outplayed you. Like, you stink. You have holes everywhere. Why? He, he would have been a, even if they were like the same team, and he was there, and everything was happy-go-lucky. He still would have been an obvious guy to trade, like if you're if you're one and seven. So it, it is nuts that we're even talking about it this way. Another team that is uh, really a straight up dumpster fire right now is the New York Jets. Um, I know Le'Veon Bell's name is out there all of a sudden. Jamal Adams' name is out there all of a sudden. What's your read on the Jets? And even if they don't get anything done by the deadline today, how busy is that off season in New York? Yeah. Well, look, every time you do things staccato like they do, you fire a coach and keep a GM, then you bring in another coach and neuter that GM, and then now this GM has inherited other people's messes and he has a different philosophy of team building than the guys who just made a bunch of moves to try to save their jobs this past offseason. I mean, the whole thing is it's it's never sort of harmonious and in unison there. So, um, But the reality is Le'Veon Bell was on the open market. And I don't know who was bidding besides the Jets, certainly at two years, $28 million, which is essentially what that contract is. The first two years are guaranteed. It's a lot of money. Um, there wasn't a robust market for him at the start, and teams now, most good teams don't need running backs. I mean, would somebody take him off their hands for a four or a five? Yeah, but I mean, you know, what's really the logic in that? I, I, if you're the Jets, it's, you know, I... So they're 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 kind of their hands are tied there, and at this point, there's just the good teams don't really need them, and the bad teams are like, well, yeah, we might not have a running back, but I'm just going to go draft one in the third round or whatever. Like I, I you know, who'll who cost me nothing. So that one's tough. I mean, the Leonard they wanted to trade Leonard Williams and, and Kalechi Osemele. Osemele ended up having a in, bad injury situation with them, and they got more for Leonard Williams than most people thought they could. And, and yeah, they ate money to do it, but they were always going to have to. He's not a $14 million a year player. I mean, the rest of the roster, I mean, Robbie Anderson's a player I, I think they'll trade in the next hour if they can get, you know, something for him, a mid-round pick. Uh, but the rest of them, I mean – you know, again, they'd like to move Trumaine Johnson. They may have to give up a pick to move that contract. They may have to do what the Rams did. Um, there's just not a whole lot there, which brings you to Jamal Adams. So it's like, okay, well, who is, you know, a young potential star player who's not making any money on that roster yet? And he's the guy, but that's a football trade, and they're going to want extreme value for him. And as as great as he is, and I like a lot about him, he he doesn't influence the pass game the way you think. He's not a ball hawk you know, per se. So I, I don't know. I, I think that's going to be another tough one. 
tough one to consummate. I mean, I, I, I don't know. The Jets may be stuck. Yeah, bigger picture question. We felt like we talked about him every hit last year because of his holdout. He ends up missing the entire year. He does get paid because the Jets, you know, dumped a bunch of money at him. But he's having a, a terrible year. I know the Jets are a bad team, but has Le'Veon Bell's holdout and, and missing an entire year taught us anything going forward? Uh, I, I mean, look, he should have taken what the Steelers had on the on on the table two summers ago, and you know we've 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 chronicled that. He'll never get the years back. He'll never get the money back. You know, part of me applauds him for, you know, at least sticking to his guns and following his beliefs. I think he was a little misguided on this. If he had stayed in Pittsburgh, he'd have made more money currently and also post-career. If he if he's a guy who spent 10 years with the Steelers, you know what I mean, Takes a, has a Super Bowl ring, you're God there forever. I mean, just your, your post-career marketing and everything else, if you're – you know, going into the Hall of Fame as a Steeler, and I don't know if he's a Hall of Fame player or not, because now it's essentially two two years off his career last year, and the numbers he's putting up this year are going to be terrible, not that it's all on him. I, I mean, it was an extreme position he took. I don't think it was a template for future guys. I don't think we'll see too much of that again. Um, but I don't blame him for not wanting to be franchised twice. The problem was he, he didn't have the right sense of the market, and what the Steelers had put on the table in a long-term deal twice was fair enough. Jason Lockenfora is with us. He's our NFL insider from CBS Sports and CBSSports.com, joining Steinberg and Nalt along with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Uh, what's your feel on the Bengals right now? And, oh, geez, they've got less than 50 minutes to make moves. What's, what's your feel on what Cincy's going to do? Just entirely backwards, <laughs> entirely backwards. Like, uh, they were backwards before this point, but let's, let's think this through for a minute here. Actually, I can't wait for me to, to get off air tonight so I can just write this column that I'm working on. Like, because uh, if they don't do anything, my God. So they bench Andy Dalton, who I get it. You want to look at Finley, but if you're looking at Finley, that's an inherent like acknowledgement that we're going to pay Andy Dalton ten million dollars not to play football for us, so we can look at this other guy to see if this other guy might be our our quarterback of the future. So that implies what? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Like you're rebuilding, right? Yeah, I would think so. Like you're so. going from a guy who started every game for you for whatever, six years, to a mid-round pick, you know what I mean, who hasn't seen the field yet. He's got no offensive line in front of him. Like Andy Dalton was getting killed. Like, so you're, you're now looking at – you're not playing for this year anymore. You're acknowledging we're going to see what Finley is. I mean, Andy Dalton just played his best game of the year on Sunday in London. Kept him in the game. So if you're doing that, why the hell aren't you trading your 30-year-olds? making all the money. Like, I get it. It's going to be hard to trade Andy Dalton now, which is why you should have made this decision weeks ago, and, and you could have dealt him somewhere. Um, now you've got to trade him at the combine. But, so what is, what, what, I mean, A.J. Green, Geno Atkins, all these guys, I mean, it's the most counterintuitive, ridiculous thing I've ever heard. In my, you have not won a game with these guys. You're now going to a completely unproven quarterback who you didn't think was, you know, an absolute stud, or you would have taken him sooner. What planet am I on? But you're offended that people are calling you about half your roster? You should be looking that gift horse in the mouth. I mean, they literally, they told the local media there. No one put their name to it, but someone in the organization told the local media, we're not in the business of helping other football teams. Who thinks that way? Like, what is that? You're helping football teams every Sunday when you put that slop out there and they beat the snot out of you and they win and you don't. Like, what are you talking about? So... Can you play? Is it possible to play devil's advocate and 
try and figure out what exactly they're thinking and, and why they're being so no. resistant to this? <laughs> no, there is not. I mean, <laughs> uh, there's 31 other teams. Well, I'll take the Redskins out of it. 30 other teams who are like, what's up with that? Like, what are you, dude, you don't have a win. You've got all these guys on tradable contracts. You need draft picks desperately because you need about three offensive linemen. You're going to need at least a receiver, maybe two, because John Ross is never on the field healthy. You you know, like, you can't win with these guys, and they've got a chance to kickstart your rebuild. We've never seen a trading market like this where teams are willing to throw first and second round picks around like we've seen. Mohamed Sanu, who used to be there, who they let leave for nothing, just five years later is worth a two. Like, what do you think? Geno Atkins could be worth. Like, what do you think A.J. Green could be worth? What do you think Tyler Eifert could be worth? What do you think Drake Kirkpatrick could be worth? Like, good luck, man. Poor Zach Taylor. My God. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's hard to disagree with you, my friend. What what else do you have your eye on? Is there anything else that you're watching from a trade perspective between now and the top of the hour? Um, I mean, it, the corner market... Do the Bengals wake up? Um, you know, I, there could be something going on that really nobody's even talking about right now. But I mean, I think we know that. I mean, we know the buyers, we know the sellers. Um, how, who sort of who blinks? Who caves? Like, do some of these teams eat way more money than they planned on just to get some of these contracts out of the building? Um, I think the Rams trade salary dump is, is sort of a template for that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. I'm really. I mean, I'm pretty much consumed to seeing what happens and what doesn't. And then if nothing happens, then you know you're making a bunch of phone calls to try to figure out like what what the heck what the heck happened here. Where you know what I mean? Was it a couple of teams just being crazy? Did some guys get gun shy at, at the at the you know at the final whistle? How, how did this sort of get off the rails? He's Jason Lockenfora. He's our NFL insider from CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. Trade deadline, top of the hour. A couple of other topics we want to hit on as well. Well, Jay, I know probably lost count of how many injuries he's had, but uh, you got a feel for J.J. Watt. What's your uh, read on his, you know, kind of future? Because you, you kind of get the feeling that injuries are catching up to this guy right yeah. now. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's a guy who you, I don't think you can, you can bank on having, you know, remotely close to uh, – close to full health for, you know, 16 weeks. It's just not, it's just not who, who he's been for a while now. And that's why, you know, last year when they did get so much out of him, I kind of felt like it was an opportunity lost because I don't know that you're going to get him the next year. And I would have told you at this time last year that Jadavian Clowney's not going to sign a long, they're not going to come to terms with him on a long-term deal. And they botched that trade and didn't get what they could have for him. So now you're left with, you know, Whitney Merciless and Barkevis Mingo. I don't know how that's going to hold up over the a half of the season. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, you, you, you have to have some concern about J.J. Watt and, and what's been going on with his body and the repeated injuries and significant injuries with significant surgeries and recovery times. Um, I mean, I think it's certainly fair to, to ask if we've seen the best of, of J.J. Watt. And a final thought for you before we uh, let you get back to work and uh, break down what has been just a – Crazy, absolutely hectic hour. I can't believe you've oh, been able to chat not, with us. I can for so tell you're long. working both phones at <laughs> once. <laughs> um, I just wanted to ask you, there's been a lot of speculation of late about Tom Brady's future and what happens beyond this year. What's your read on what comes next for Brady? I, 
I think it really depends on what happens in, you know, like, do they win their seventh? You know what I mean? Does, if they do, does does Giselle come to him and say, hey, buddy, we're not we're not by coastal anymore. Like, this is it. You know, there's a football – there's two football teams in L.A. Find one. Um, in which case, there's really only one, right, after what the Rams have done with, with Jared Goff. I mean, I think the Chargers, if we want to play this sort of hypothetical game, and, and I've talked to a lot of people who know him well, I mean, let's be real. He's not going to Cincinnati. You know what I mean? He's not going to – uh, you know, Chicago, like he's not going to Miami. Like you could make the case that he would fit in Miami from a branding standpoint and sort of, all, you know, the entertainment business and all that, but like, and all the things he wants to do post-career, but they stink and they're going to be really bad again next year. And he's not going somewhere to get his head knocked in at this stage. And, and, and the chargers, the, you've got Hollywood there. You've got this glistening new stadium. You've got everybody worried about that franchise's viability, and you got Philip Rivers with an expiring contract, and you got two really you, you got the best skill position guys he's ever had. I mean, arguably, take out if you want to say the the undefeated year, I'll give you that. But I mean, you're talking the two outside receivers. I mean, you're talking Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, young studs in their prime, and then you know Hunter Henry, assuming he can stay healthy. That's way better than what he's working with right now in New England. I mean, they'd have to draft some some offensive linemen for sure. And the defense, if healthy, should be serviceable. I mean, I think it's L.A. or bust. I mean, and, and obviously he might win a seventh and st- want to try to win one more or two more in, in New England. And he may win a seventh and walk off into the sunset. Um, nobody knows, not even him. But I think if we're really going to play the game of, like, he could play elsewhere, okay, well, then let's be real about where he's going. You know what I mean? He's not going to Tennessee. Like he's he's going to he would go to L.A. or I don't see any other possibility to be honest with you. Good stuff, Jay. Uh, get back to the crazy trade de- trade deadline. We'll talk to you on Friday. Yeah, I'm out of my mind. Try to stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> NFL insider Jason Lacanfora brought to you by Shank Sports Grill. Monday night it's the Cowboys and Giants. Enter to win a trip to see Seattle versus L.A. Shanks South in the newly renovated Shanks Crowfoot, your home for the NFL. Welcome to the Steinberg Show on this Tuesday game day. He's Will. I'm Pat Flames and the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. It is a 5 o'clock face-off right here on Sportsnet 960. The fans, Sportsnet Flames is where you can find this one on television. In terms of what you're looking at for lineups tonight, Flames will go with David Riddick between the pipes. It'll be Peter Morazic in net for the Carolina Hurricanes. And here are the lines you're looking looking at. Uh, the Flames will keep Lindholm between Kachuk and Gaudreau. Uh, Sean Monahan will have Sam Bennett on his right and Alan Quine on his left. Bit of a head scratcher uh, to start the game anyway. Michael Backlund, Michael Frolik, Milan Lucic will remain on that line together. And Derek Ryan between Andrew Mangiapane and Tobias Reeder, which actually has been a pretty decent looking line at times when they have been together. Mark Jankowski will be the healthy scratch for a second straight game on the back. Gio Brody. Hannafin Hamannick, Shillington Anderson, Michael Stone sits out as the healthy scratch. So that's what we're looking at for tonight's game. More on the Flames and Hurricanes as the afternoon goes along. In fact, more on that and a chat with perhaps the best value defenseman in the NHL. That's all coming your way next. The Steinberg Show is underway. It's a Tuesday afternoon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAveVW.com. 
The Steinberg Show continues right now. Brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. Steinberg drives a VW from Fifth Avenue. So should you. See them today on Meridian Road, just east of Barlow Trail and south of 16th Avenue Northeast. Patrick Steinberg is only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. A little bit uh, all over the place, but, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, there's nothing you can do so, uh, except for wait, and, uh, and now I'm moving forward from here and getting ready for tonight. So that man has gone through waivers unclaimed, and he will play tonight. There's Tobias Reeder, who uh, cleared waivers this morning. He'll be in the lineup tonight against Carolina. As we talked about yesterday, flexibility move, Will. We, we, you know, neither of us were expecting him to be sent down to Stockton immediately. They can do that any time in the next 30 days that he's on the NHL roster. But more than anything else, this is a move just to give him a little flexibility to free him up if they wanted to change something up. So that's what we're talking about right now. So as, as of right now, and for I think the next 20 days or so, they're able to send both Reader and Alan Quine to Stockton without them having to go through waivers, which is a nice—it's a nice window of flexibility for the team to have. Just quickly, you get to the end of the timeline or window with both those guys. What would your money be on that both are still here, or one is here and somebody's up? Or obviously, it can go a bunch of different ways. But I guess how would you handicap the situation of them both being here past that waiver window that has clearly been open for both guys? I am going to say that come the end of the window that I think both are still going to be here to be perfectly honest with you. I really do. Like I, I know that everybody is talking about Dylan Dubé and, and Hey, this guy should come up and I'm not even saying he shouldn't. I just think for the time being, you've got guys that can fill the role on the NHL roster and you can continue letting Dubé develop the proper way. Like I just, at this stage of the game, I don't know if it makes a ton of sense to pop Dubé into a top six role, which is over his head, or put him into a role where he's playing nine minutes a night where he can be playing huge minutes in Stockton as a second-year pro. It just and makes still, more sense for him to stay down there. He's still, in my opinion, anyways, you can say what you will about the offensive upside, but Patty, you know, to your point about top six role at this point likely over his head. I don't think he's going to come here and all of a sudden kill penalties over a guy like Tobias Reeder. That's so also a good point. I, I, I just don't know if you're not going to bring him up here to A, play special teams, or B, play more than nine minutes a night. It just doesn't make a ton of sense. So I'm with you. I, I think there's a great chance both guys are here. The curveball would be what you're about to talk about, so I'll let you uh, set that up, and then I would talk about how one of those guys might not be here past the waiver window. What what part I'm going to talk about? Well, Mark Jankowski, yeah. who's healthy scratch for a second time in a row. Well, and that's the one thing that jumps off the page to me more than anything else. With Elias Lindholm moved to center, that makes four centers that you know are going to be in the lineup. Monaghan, Lindholm, Backlund, and Derek Ryan. So where does that leave Mark Jankowski? He's going to sit for a second straight game as a healthy scratch, and and. If this Lindholm experiment turns into a permanent thing, where does Jankowski fit? Because I don't think he does. I don't know where you can find. They don't seem to have any desire to shift Jankowski to the wing. They feel like they have other options that are better at at wing. So if they see Jankowski exclusively as, as a center, and they've already got four NHL centers that they're very comfortable with, providing Lindholm does continue to get the job done and Monaghan is able to do his work away from Lindholm or away from Gaudreau or both. 
you can't have $1.675 million sitting in the press box every single game. Uh, so you could. I mean, you there's could. teams that have 4 and $5 million sitting in the press box. So this team at one point had a $4 million player in Troy Brower sit in the press box. The most important game of the year last year, they had a James Neal sit in the press box. I mean, it's not ideal, but 1.65 is better than 5.4 in the press box. Well, or, or Milan Lucic in the fair, press box. Which, fair. I mean, you could make the argument for Lucic to be there, sure. But I, I don't think $1.675 million in dead money is the worst thing to have as your 13th forward, but it's certainly not ideal. Now, I don't think there's any doubt that a trade is is still the most desirable option here when it comes to, to Jankowski. What, and what I you, know What are you getting for him? Well, and at this point, like, how what, important and, and, is that? Well, I guess, but is it great asset management if you're trading Mark Jankowski for a sixth-round pick? Sorry, it, say, that, say that again. If you trade Jankowski straight up for yeah. a sixth round pick or whatever, a fifth, like, is it really great asset management? I, I, I mean, yeah, you're getting rid of the player and you're freeing up a little bit of cash space, sure. But at this point, that's why I say, what are you getting for him and why would you trade him? I, I would rather have an NHL caliber player in your system as depth in case injuries happen. As opposed to dealing him. Again, if he's making four or five million dollars, then yeah, I think the argument of get whatever for him is more valid. He's still not overly old. He's not making a ton of money, albeit that you are up against the cap. I get the need or or the the question of I think it's time to move on. Sure. And I think the Flames would would agree with that. And and I at this point, Patty would be surprised if he's qualified or re-signed or back here next season. But at this point. I think they would rather have A, because he's a centerman and you need the depth down the middle. Again, he's not making a crazy amount of money on the AAV, and he's a former first-round pick. If you're dealing a Mark Jankowski who can still kill penalties and do some good things for you, is that great asset management when you're only getting a fifth or a sixth-round pick back? I am not of the opinion that you trade Jankowski just for the sake of trading. you got to get rid of him. I just think you need to be having active conversations right now to try and get uh, a decent return. I'm not saying just throw them away. I'm well, not, and, because and you're right. That is poor asset management. My my feel is maybe you see if there is something that can be done with a team that is maybe looking for a little bit more center depth, is willing to take a chance. And and yes, you know maybe you're not going to get what you drafted him at. You're not getting a first-round pick for Jankowski at this point. Can you get an NHL winger who makes no less chance. money? No chance. I think you can get a depth winger who makes less you money. you got to eat money on that, so you're not really getting a guy for less money. I, I think if you're a team that has a NHL-caliber winger. I'm talking like a third or fourth line winger. Sure, just but they're still making $800,000, How many teams are up against the cap right now? That's why I say you, Our look, team's for, gonna, you look for a Ottawa, you look for okay, a but Columbus. What, you what look value for a team. would they have in bringing in Mark Jankowski? I think the value they would have is both those teams are rebuilding. They look at Jankowski as a 25-year-old former first-round pick who's big and has skill and say but if, maybe if we can get something out of If we're dismissing him. him in Calgary, is another team really saying we got to get our hands on this guy? I, I don't know. He's got no points in 11 games. He's a minus seven. You're, you're preaching to the choir about what Jankowski sure. is. All I'm doing is building an argument that no, says no, and, maybe and a team looks at it and says, ah, okay, maybe we think we can. There's still a project here. We think we can get something out of him. We're willing to try him 
for a year and take on the rest of his contract for this year and then renegotiate at the end. And it may not, it may I, not I be in the cards. I just don't know if there's even a value for that. It's not an 18-year-old guy. It's a 25-year-old guy. I, so, and, and, that's and I know, why and I I know think... that I'm, I know you're on the same, you're, you're trying to make a, an argument and we're trying to have a bit of a back and forth. I just, I don't know if that's even a possibility for a team like an Ottawa. You're not going to trade and, and gain $900,000 for a guy who's 25 years old and really to this point, uh, if you're the, like, because you could ask yourself, well, why are the Flames giving up on this guy? Why, why are we going to bring this guy in for a project, even though we're a rebuilding team? It just, I, I just find it hard to believe at this point you're going to find a home for him in a trade. And I'll be curious to see what happens. Again, I don't think his future here is long term. I think you're very much in agreement with that. But at this point, I think you've got no choice but to kind of hang on to him for a bit. And, I think there's definitely an option, and and you know down the road, close to the deadline, maybe it's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't see it right now. I really don't. I'd be I'd be okay with them trading him for a pick. Now, a throwaway pick, a sixth rounder, maybe not. But if you can get something in the top four rounds, and that can save you one point six million dollars, knowing how tight this team is on the cap, a and B, knowing that they want to probably add come the trade deadline, I think that $1.6 million could be very valuable in the cap savings it gives them. So even if you look at it and say, 25-year-old, he's scored 16 and 17 goals per season in his career over the last couple of years, and he's a former first-round pick, how can you give this guy away for for a fourth-round pick? Well, I think that you have to evaluate where Jankowski is going personally, I don't see Jankowski being anything more than a a 3-4 center in this league. They have depth at that position right now. Even if somebody gets hurt, you've got Quine, you've got Dubé, you've got others that can fill roles and and be depth centers on this team. So I just don't think that it is a massive loss if you lose him right now. And the gain is maybe you get a decent draft pick in the top four rounds. That's kind of where my threshold would be, a top four round pick. And you save that $1.675 million, which I think is the most important. And the sooner you can do it, the sooner you can start banking cap space after Zarnik comes off LTIR. And the more days that you can bank cap space with more money under the cap, the better position you'll be come the trade deadline if they want to go out and add something. So, no, I'm not saying you'd throw it away, but I'm also not saying... I also believe, rather, you have to look at this as a priority. There's not a fit right here, and the longer that he's a healthy scratch, the more that his trade value is just going to go down. So I, I do think it's it's a top priority right now to potentially find another spot for Jankowski. It's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. And and here's the final caveat, and I know this kind of like, it's like, wait a second, are you just... Are you wrapping this up with it was all a dream? Is that is that the season finale? That's your series finale. It was all a dream. But Lindholm moves back to the wing, and they don't like the Lindholm down the middle conversation. Well, then Jankowski probably finds himself a spot back in the lineup. But even still, I'm not sure that there is a long-term clear fit for Jankowski in a Calgary Flames uniform. Regardless of what happens. Well, and I, I mean, when he does eventually get back in, what are you going to get with Mark Jankowski, Pat? I mean, he's a guy who was in a very public trade with the Toronto Maple Leafs that didn't go through. He was healthy scratched in a game that he was likely looking forward to for a very long time on Sunday in Regina. And now he's scratched again tonight for the second consecutive game. 
you talk about how important confidence is in, in hockey. No points in 11 games. You were scratched in a massive game. You're already traded once. You're scratched again for a guy who just cleared waivers. Yeah, it's it's certainly not easy for, for Mark Jankowski right now, and I honestly don't know what you're going to get when he eventually does get back in because yeah. his confidence is probably at an all-time low right now, and we'll be curious what happens. Uh, what do we got on the Glenn Morati fan feedback? Text line 960-960. Agree with you entirely. Dubé should stay where he is and continue developing. If they feel he cannot play top six, believe the Flames should have played Jankowski and Bennett exclusively on top six when they got here. Jamming them into defensive roles with limited offensive opportunity has turned them into plumbers. Either one of them could be turned around by the right team. No, Not sure again, I agree with that. You don't just, just give guys top six oh, opportunity. Well, I, played a, I played a fourth-line role as an 18-year-old, so now I'm a fourth-liner for life. No, that's Doesn't not really how work it works. That way. Um, give Jankowski a chance elsewhere. He's not in the short-term or long-term plans for the team. Um, this reads, Jankowski's skill level is not at a first-round level. He hasn't panned out. Cut bait, invest in others, and move along. Um, what else we got here at 960-960 on the text line? Um, trade Jankowski, last nail in Feaster's coffin. This reads, you know... Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is throwing Will right under the bus, but as Will said two seconds ago, this is probably a bad time to eat a Wonder Bar. As soon as the music started, I'm like, oh, that's not a good idea. <laughs> this is not pop. Don't mind my chewing. What do we have on our three burning questions today? Well, we just talked about it off the air, so I know your answer already. But why don't you reiterate it for the listeners, Pat? Roman Yossi signs eight times nine today in Nashville. Mm -hmm. He is, I believe, 29 years old, the same age as Eric Carlson, who signed eight times 11-5. Who would you rather have and why? Well, I think based solely on the contract, I think I'd probably go with Yossi. Like that, I don't, I don't think there is a, what, two and a half? No, or? I'm cherry picking a little bit. I think he makes 11 and a half because he's won a couple of Norrises, but still, who would you rather have? Well, here's, like, here's why I say Yossi, because that's a two and a half million dollar split between Yossi and Carlson. I don't think the talent drop-off or gap between them is at $2.5 million. And you know how big a fan I've been and how much of a, a defender I've been of Carlson. That's why I asked it. But, A, I worry that Carlson is not ever going to be at that Norris level again. I think the injuries that he has suffered over the last number of years, he's not quite the same guy he was. That's one. And two, even at his peak, is it a $2.5 million difference between Carl Carlson and Yossi? I'm not sure it is. So eight times nine for Yossi versus eight times 11.5 for Carlson. I think I'm taking Yossi, and I'm probably taking it 10 times out of 10. All right. Well, we'll see uh, how that thing plays out. And, and yes, I just uh, did fact check it. Roman Yossi will turn 30 next June. Yep. So he will be 30 through 38 of that contract with the Preds and his uh, GM today saying that uh, he expects Roman Yossi at some point here in the near future to actually be a Norris Trophy winner. Uh, we saw another injury for him again today, Pat. It would almost be the equivalent, as Eric Tatchik said on Hockey Central at noon, to the Flames losing a guy like Kachuk and a guy like Gaudreau. How are the Avalanche going to handle the loss of not only Miko Rantanen week to week, but now Gabriel Landeskog, who's out indefinitely with a lower body injury? I don't know. Like that's... the. Look, the Avalanche went out and added some depth. The The signing of Burakovsky really worked, uh, and he's been a nice fit. Obviously, adding, adding Nazem Kadri on the, on the forward side of things helped as well. So 
they have more forward depth this year, significantly more forward depth this year than they did last year. So that is important. So I think they're a better equipped team to be able to handle it now than they were one year ago. But still, that's two of your three best forwards gone. Doesn't matter how deep you are or what your team is, you lose two of your best three forwards, you're going to be hurting the same way that any other team in this league would be a significantly neutered team if they lost. I'm trying to think what what are the good examples? Who are the the best teams that we look at in the NHL right now? But you know, if Washington loses Backstrom and Ovechkin, yeah, they're going to be a little bit less uh, of a of a threat even with Kuznetsov and Oshie and all the the talent they have. Boston so the same, loses like Pasternak and Bergeron. Yeah, exactly. So you lose those two guys, you're going to you're going to hurt. You're going to feel it. However. I do think they are better equipped now to be able to tread water. Had they lost Landeskog and Rantanen for a long period of time a year ago without the Kadri edition, without the Burakovsky edition, they'd be in a much worse spot. He has not won a World Series game that he has started. And Steven Strasburg is pitching as best as he maybe has ever have, uh, ever has in the past. Let's try that in English. Uh, in the majors. Does the World Series end tonight? My feel is yes. I just can't see... Houston losing another home game. So they lose both the games at home and they go on the road and win three of the three. They sweep the games in DC. I just feel like with momentum and with the fact that Houston is the better team having the, the bottom half of the innings, I I, just, I can't see them losing at home. I just can't for a third straight game. I think it wraps up tonight and uh, good on the Houston Astros. Maybe karma is a thing if they end up winning tonight. Well, no, if karma was a thing, they'd lose and then, well, no, they've finally done the right thing, though. So yeah, that's they still why. botched it, though. They did, but at least as soon as they did releases. the right thing, they've apologized eh, to the, the reporter. The, the owner has sent a I Just for fun, letter. because I, I do think Washington is set up in a great spot because they've got their best pitcher on the mound tonight, and Verlander has had his struggles. If they can jump on Verlander early, I think they got a chance to get this thing to seven. So I will say they get it to seven, but I will say they ultimately lose. Okay. But I think they win tonight. If there is a game seven, we've got it for you. First pitch, six oh seven p.m. Tomorrow, Sportsnet 960 the fan. Uh, yeah, that'd be good for the old uh, the mothership. It'd be good if we. Could. We don't really have anything else scheduled. I don't know what we would be playing otherwise. So if we could get the uh, baseball players to play a little more, that'd be good. Uh, that'll do it for the Steinberg Show on this Tuesday game day. Flames, Carolina, five o'clock faceoff from Raleigh. Don't forget to tune in and. Uh, Follow along with our iconic listener fantasy football league. The winner is going to be winning a trip. Uh, is actually going to be. I got to go find it. It's the lo- the wrong iconic read. I thought I had the right one. I didn't have the right one. Uh, you're winning a uh, one thousand dollar gift card to the Cananaskis uh, Lodge in Nordic Spa. There it is. That's what our uh, winner of the Iconic Listener League is going to get. It's all brought to you by our good friends. They do the Iconic Moment, and they do the NFL Fantasy League. Turns out it was on the same page. Brought to you by Iconic Electric and Controls, promoting a culture of quality since 2008. Visit IconicEC.ca. We do want to thank Colin and the gang at Iconic for being such great partners of Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's a uh, short show today, so we've got a lot to touch on, but we'll kick off Pinder and Steinberg next with a question about a former Flames First round pick. If you're listening a little earlier, uh, you may already know where we're going with this conversation next. Pinder and Steinberg in minutes. It's not Brent Cron. Sports that 960, the fan. The Steinberg Show brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. Fifth Avenue, VW.com.